we are taking a zoom into we're exploring misinformation on the internet and looking at some of the culprits that are guilty of spreading misinformation and I think most importantly pretending to be professionals when they know that they are not professionals. Now, this refers to influencers in particular, right? Regardless of what you may call them, opinion leaders, creators, or whatever the case may be, it's important for us to understand that not everybody who has a mic and beautifully color-graded video with amazing sound is a professional or knows what they're even talking about. We're in an era where we're at risk, at great risk, of thinking that everything we hear on the internet is Bible and it should be taken with some level of seriousness. But unfortunately, that's not the case. Tonight, we're focusing specifically on the conspiracy community that exists on the internet. My question to you is, have you ever considered who holds them accountable? And I know that there's many of us who find a lot of entertainment and I suppose to some degree we, f- we find it therapeutic, right? We find, it, we find therapy in listening to con- this conspiracy theorist uh, communities, those who tell us that 9-11 was an inside job, those who tell us that um, 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 lockdown was something orchestrated and planned by the government for many years and that corona is not really an issue um, and it wasn't a thing. We really need to scrutinize and look at these people with some degree and level of sober-mindedness. I mean, the conspiracy community exists on the Internet, and I think it's the one place that will accept them. Because in real life, someone who's constantly telling you conspiracies about how bad, evil, and how there are people conspiring to do this and that... Living with someone like that can be incredibly depressing, incredibly depressing. And unfortunately, it's very, very difficult to fact check someone like that. Where do you find those facts? Because they themselves don't even care whether what they're saying is fact or not. So this is something that we really need to think about, right? And we need to think about it deeply. Um, We really need to think about who holds the conspiracy community accountable. There's a famous um, guy in America. I think his name is Something Jones. Something Jones. Um, I forgot his first name. And he's famously known for um, um, speaking a lot of conspiracy-related ideas, right, and spreading them out to the world. He has his own talk show that he hosts on the Internet. Um, I forgot his name, and it's, it's at the tip of my tongue. And I know someone is saying, given, how could Alex Jones, that's his name. Now, Alex Jones is someone who... Um, loves and really holds with pride the fact that in America they have uh, freedom of speech, which we all have. We all have freedom of speech. We can make comments about anything as long as you're not defaming anyone and you're not um, and causing defamation, I should actually say, uh, for anyone, like basically ruining and, and speaking about their character without even having evidence or claiming that someone did something that they did not do. So if you say words about someone and those words cost that person their career, you better make sure that you're speaking factual things, right? Otherwise, you could go to prison. We have recently had in South Africa a case where an author spoke ill of a very famous couple, right? And they were, they had a court case that I think lasted about five years. And now that author has been found guilty. I mean, think about that.
the author has been found guilty. This is something that, and, and here's, mind you, they were found guilty for a tweet, a mere tweet. This is something that we need to start to realize as, as, as everyday people, that there's great responsibility that comes from using uh, social media. And my problem, right, particularly with the conspiracy community, is that know who holds them accountable. Now, I know that we have a law that holds them accountable for saying things that, you know, like uh, when they break the law, essentially. But what happens when they're not breaking the law, but they're still spreading misinformation, right? And let's assume that they're not spreading misinformation. Let's assume that. My issue is not whether or not at this point and for the purpose of this conversation and discussion, I'm not as much, I don't want to focus as much on whether or not they are right or wrong, but I want to focus on who holds them accountable. So let's look at the world of academia, right? Which in as much as I have my gripes with the world of academia, and I think that is a world where, it's very, very difficult um, to, to, to think of and come up with new ways of doing things because it's so traditional, and that I'm not a fan of. But I am a fan of the fact that they have this thing called a peer-to-peer review. You are reviewed by your peers, and your work has to have references. Now, this is terrible if you're a person in the world of, um, let's say, the tech world, because you're literally trying to invent new things. You're trying to come up with ideas that have not been thought of before. So for an inventor, the world of academia can be, to a certain extent, useless, right? So I do acknowledge that. But I, 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 I do ask myself often like we are very young and we live in a world where we have so much access to technology and it's easy for you to find yourself in a rabbit hole where you found a video that told you about this conspiracy now you have to follow that 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 rabbit hole deeper and find out where that conspiracy leads to then you become exposed to other conspiracies that break out into other branches you know i remember one of the first ones i've mentioned before actually first conspiracies i've ever been exposed to was the conspiracy of uh, the new world order and it was very scary to me it really gave me a lot of anxiety when i was young um, and this is something that if you're young, you need to look out for this, that it's it's not worth you being exposed to conspiracies because they leave you with a lot of anxiety and and a lot of feeling like, you know, the world is so terrible, which is true. The world is full of a lot of um, influential and privileged, terrible people. But the majority of people don't even have nearly that much power. Right. Even if they might not have good hearts, they cannot execute their their wrath or their ideas at that scale. The majority of people are you and I. And we need to be aware of that, that you and I are the average person. Right. Um, And I just want to firstly just warn you that you need to be careful the extent and the degree to which you expose yourself to the conspiracy community. And always ask yourself the question, like, who is holding them accountable? Do they have a peer-to-peer review system? 
do they have a, a, a way in which when they're wrong, when they've been proven wrong, so if they're telling us, for example, that COVID is not real, and then it's been proven, we have had family members have COVID, we've seen what it does, the symptoms match. If you and your neighbor or someone who is in a different country have the same symptoms, it cannot deny that those symptoms are coming from the very same thing. Right. Unless they're trying to imply that you're imagining it, which is an even bigger crime. I think you you are the one who's in a community that needs to prove yourself right. You need to come up, go and get the resources to prove that it's wrong. Right. And then you have the flat earthers as well. I have no problem with someone questioning the way things are, but I have a problem when we all believe them at face value without demanding them to hold themselves accountable when they've been proven wrong. You know, what happens when we, with it, I mean, we've long proven that the world is round. This has been done years ago and continues to be done to this day. Uh, but it does leave a, leave a question, though, like, what happens when a person who has a conspiracy has been proven wrong? Let's go back to the guy I mentioned in the beginning, Alex Jones, right? And talk about how he is very, very famous incident that he has, he has had in the past where he announced and declared that there were shootings that happened in America and he said they were not true. And that led to the family members of the, the victims, the families of the victims being at- attacked and and being harassed and as a result he was fined a lot of money but that was an extreme do consider that that was him breaking the law and literally having to be put in court and being convicted and now he has to pay a fine he cannot even afford but i'm talking more about the everyday things i'm talking about the friend of yours who says um you know the the things that seem like oh okay this is ha- a harmful cons- a harmless conspiracy and then they move on Who holds that person accountable? And do you see them wanting to be held accountable? Or do they like the freedom of delving and drowning in this world of theories and ideas that have not been proven? Which to me comes across as a problem. All in all, this conversation we're having and this discussion is to say to you, be careful of these people on the internet. And always, always remember that no one holds them accountable if and when they're wrong. And it's not to say that these conspiracies don't have some degree of truth in it, some of them, right? But at the end of the day, you also need to ask yourself, your soul, your mind, your 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 brain can only handle and manage so much problems and be aware of so many problems at a time. There is no need for you to expose yourself to every single conspiracy out there. Gospel artist and collaborations. That's our theme for this discussion for this beautiful evening. And the fact that should Christian artists or gospel artists actually collaborate with people that is making secular music with regards to uh, their lifestyle and with regards to the music that they make. And I and I find this very interesting because one of the, the reasons I find this interesting is that we as Christians very often like to hold on to the idea that, that um, we've got ownership of certain things and ownership of certain people, specifically our artists. Um, one of the things that we tend to do is that we regard the Christian artist as a public property. Now, if that doesn't make sense to you, what I'm trying to say is we regard these people as public property. In other words, we, we keep them for ourselves. We want to keep them 
for ourselves. We do not want the world to have part of what they are doing, the songs they are singing, and we, in actual fact, then are not necessarily celebrating these specific people. And I do not necessarily think that that is the correct way. As discussed last week, that there was a, 20 years ago, there was this book called God, Faith, and Rock and Roll, and it was. Uh, I don't know if you picked up on the title, but it's actually playing with words on the the premise that the saying usually goes sex, drugs, and rock and roll, but this guy made it God, faith, and rock and roll. And it is that there's certain Christian artists that um, refuse to sign with gospel labels but signed with major record labels in order to get their music out to a bigger sphere, to a bigger uh, audience. And I, to a certain degree, think that it is necessary for Christian artists to to do exactly that and if it needs to be done by means of collaboration why should we stop them just because you are collaborating with someone on a specific song does not necessarily mean that you are approving of their lifestyle you are approving of everything they are saying um, me and my wife we're very happily married but i do not necessarily approve everything that she says or does because that's just not the way that life is even though like I am able to be in a loving marriage relationship with her, in a loving relationship with her. Now, I know that there's a, a specific artist that is actually not even known as a Christian artist in the bigger industries, but what he did is he did these tours and um, then brought people from different spheres of life into the tour, different artists that won't necessarily stand up for for Christianity, but he was able by means of the the relationship that was formed by touring through Northern America, great parts of Europe, unfortunately not South Africa, but the relationship that you were able to form with that specific people allowed him to not only collaborate with them, but also to be an influence them that when stuff is going bad, when they are having a troubled day, and when they are overall just not feeling well, or overall just not living the way that they should, and uh, life is <laughs> throwing dirt balls at them, they were able to phone this specific guy and ask him for guidance, and then he could bring the gospel to them and say, like, listen, you know this wouldn't have happened if you did X, Y, and Z like I asked you to do. But again, like we said in the hard ask earlier on, this is only and can only be done in the means of a relationship. Also, if a Christian artist collaborates with a secular artist, the chances of the song being played on secular radio is obviously much greater than the chances of it being played on Christian radio. If it's then played on secular radio, more people will hear the song, more people will then Google the specific artist and hopefully stumble upon the various music that this person has either produced or um, recorded or whatever the case might be. And that will then lead them to a different lifestyle that will then lead them to gospel to the gospel and to salvation in Jesus Christ which i firmly believe is the 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 method the entire i don't want to say expectation but the entire goal for the christian life should be i should lead people to Jesus Christ. That is the X, Y, and Z of it. That's the only way that I should live, and that's the only reason for my being. Um, 
And if I can do that by means of collaboration, we should do that by means of collaboration. Even Paul wrote in the New Testament, I can't remember whether it's in the book of Galatians, that he's addressing the Galatian crowd. And he said, listen guys, to the Jew I became Jewish, and to those that were under the law I became like one under the law, and to those that had no law I became one to, un, to like, not un, like those not under the law, in order for me to actually just save one of them. The fact of the matter is that you will probably lose your face. You would probably, not faith, face. In other words, you would be embarrassed. You would need to stand up and answer difficult questions. You'd need to face difficult questions. You would need to face a backlash from the Christian community. But you would only be able to do that um, in order for that specific person whom you are partnering with, who you are collaborating with, to lead them to Jesus Christ. If, as a Christian artist, you are merely collaborating with someone who's the who's who now in the music industry uh, in order for you to to gain finances or to grow financially or to grow, then I don't think that that's necessarily the, the correct way to go about it. I don't necessarily think that that is the way that that uh, that Jesus Christ would have wanted it because that means in actual fact that if you're doing it for finances, if you're doing it to grow financially, God is not your provider. You are looking to finances to provide uh, to provide for you and you're looking for your fans and the music industry to provide for you. And that sort of can be difficult uh, and sort of can be seen as idol worship. So that's the one thing. But with regards to collaborations between Christians and uh, secular people, I don't necessarily see a problem with it. I probably, in all honesty, if you're a mature enough Christian and the Christian artist is a mature enough Christian, I would say that it's a good idea. I also think sometimes that it would be better for the Christian music industry if we could collaborate with with artists uh, or secular producers in order for them to assist us to get our Christian music not necessarily the writing style or the type of music, but the, just the actual production of it, the recording of it, the sound of it. To get that to be better, we would need to collaborate with secular uh, producers. They just sometimes have more experience. Not that Christians don't have. They are, fundamental, they are phenomenal Christian producers. But if there's a specific sound that you're looking for as a Christian artist, go to that producer that's the expert in that sound and ask him to assist you. Contract him in to do the producing, do the mastering, or whatever the case might be that you feel you need to have on the specific track. But do it for the glory of God in order for people to come to salvation